I say all this because I look at mental health specifically as removing labels of mental illness. It's simply that something is unorganized in the mind. And when something's unorganized in the mind and there's thoughts that are going all over the place, there's also something unorganized in the physical body. You can trace them back and forth. Welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Ah, my friends, welcome back to the New Wave Podcast. Daniel DiPiazza checking in with you here. So happy to have you. And today's episode is actually very, very special. Today's episode is almost like an episode inside of an episode, a show inside of a show. Today, you're going to meet my friend, Chris Stoikos, who, well, many have known him just as the brilliant entrepreneur that he plays in public, his public persona. And uh, he's known for one company in particular, The Beard Club, which was a massively successful consumer brand that he exited uh, very nicely for. He's been on Shark Tank, and he has a massive persona online because, let's be honest, he's one of the best marketers out there. If you go watch his videos, he's created so many viral hits, this guy. Just type in Chris Stoikos or The Beard Club on YouTube, and you will see this man is a marketing genius. And he's been very successful because of that. But that's not all there is to Chris. Chris is an exquisite human being. And we came together at the end of 2021 and we thought about a show concept that we wanted to work on together called The Gift of the Gap. And The Gift of the Gap is all about what goes on in your mind, what goes on in your heart, and how you can take a beat, take a pause when things get hectic, to analyze yourself, to figure out what's going on, and to think about where, where you, know, you can stay a little bit more connected to who you are. And so we outlined 10 different concepts for this show, including things like mental health. And uh, one of the things that came up for us was that we've experienced a lot of shame and stigmatization around mental health. And this was the first one, the first episode we want to dive into on the show. And of these 10 episodes, I'm going to preview three of these episodes for you here uh, over the next three weeks this week and then two more weeks going forward, each on Tuesday, just like today. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode with Chris. You'll get to see a lot of his brilliant personality. I have, we're co-hosting it. So obviously you'll see, you know, we go back and forth and uh, I learned a lot from these conversations. I know you will as well. And so make sure that you're checking in with us on the New Wave Entrepreneur website. So if you go to newwaveentrepreneur.com, you can get all the updates for the shows as we're dropping them, including this episode with Chris, where we're going to add more show notes and things to make it even more rich and detailed. And of course, if you are uh, if you are listening on a platform like Spotify or iTunes, make sure you subscribe there and leave a comment and a review. It really helps us to get better guests to the show and improve the quality of the podcast. Uh, so thank you so much for that. Uh, that's all I got for you guys. Let's jump into this episode. Welcome back to The Gift of the Gap. This is a show where we are learning to slow down in a world that's perpetually speeding up so that we can discuss and digest the most important elements of life and living. We're coming together on this show to heal, to help, to assist, and to elevate. I'm Daniel DiPiazza. 
And I'm Chris Stoikos. And today we're diving into, well, what are we talking about today, Chris? We're going to dive into a topic that seems to be going mainstream in a lot of different areas these days, and that's mental health. And specifically, we're going to talk about de-shaming mental health, both inside of yourself, uh, the individual, and in the collective, uh, the way that society looks at mental health as a whole. Well, you know, I think this is a great, um, a great conversation to have as our, our like an anchor point for the show, because uh, mental health, there's a stigma around even just the word mental health. Nobody, nobody uh, blinks an eye when you say that I have a cough or that I broke my arm. But if someone says I'm having a mental health issue, God forbid, a mental health crisis, they look at you like you're a pariah, like you're a leper, like it's worse than cancer. And I just flat out, why is that? The first thing I want to say when you say that is to debunk something that is so broken in most uh, of society's belief systems today is that there's no separation between mental health and physical health and emotional health. They're one in the same. And there's an incredible book called Heal Your Body by Louise Hay. And it shows the thought systems that create physical disease. So in order for someone to be mentally ill or mentally unhealthy, mental is the plane of thought. So that means that you're thinking unhealthy thoughts. And thinking unhealthy thoughts oftentimes can simply happen from thoughts being thought out of order or thoughts being thought too far in the past or too far ahead into the future. So if we take this to a physical level, if you're boiling a pot of pasta on the stove, you need to first fill up the, the pot with the water, then you put it on the stove, then you boil it, then you add the pasta, then it cooks, then you drain it, then you eat it. Those are the right steps. So if you were to do things out of order and you were to put the pot on the stove and put the pasta in the pot and then boil it with no water or start turn on the heat with no water and then add in the water after and then drain it, you're going to get something that's not, <laughs> not good. It's going to be unhealthy. It's going to be gross. And that's a result of doing the wrong physical actions out of order. All of the actions were correct. You had all the ingredients there, but they weren't syncing up in the right way. So when it comes to mental health, if we're thinking of stuff out of order or we take, we, we get inspired by an action in our mind and we think, oh my gosh, that's going to be so fun. And we go and do something out of order. You can create chaos in someone else's life. You can create chaos in your own life. You can, you can cause harm. You can break something when you're setting it up. You can uh, cause software to crash if you're building a business online. So I say all this because I look at mental health specifically as removing labels of mental illness. It's simply that something is unorganized in the mind. And when something's unorganized in the mind and there's thoughts that are going all over the place, there's also something unorganized in the physical body. You can trace them back and forth. That's a lot in a couple different directions, but it what's, it's what flowed out to start. So uh, take it from there, Dan. Well, you know, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. I think one of the interesting things that I've been uh, just reflecting on recently is uh, mental health or mental illness, however you want to, you know, label it, 
is being a function of society and not a function of the individual. Because, you know, you look at, for instance, Alan Watts made this, uh, this analogy. He said, you know, if you look at planes, a group of planes flying in unison, and one plane breaks off and flies in the opposite direction, which plane is flying in the right direction now? Is it that that one plane realized that they, everyone else was flying in the wrong direction, he decided to correct course? Or is it that the planes that were flying in one direction are still going in the right direction, the other one's going crazy? You look at people who have schizophrenia and they're living in a very real world that is true to them, that exists for them. And yet others look at them and say, well, this is maladaptive. This is, uh, you know, this is obviously insane. This doesn't match with our paradigm for what we would expect. And how much of the mental health stigma comes from, you know, it's like people just not appreciating differences in others and looking at that as a problem. Yeah, completely. So the, the differences in others is where I, I personally feel mentally ill labels get thrown around so out of context onto one another. Um, you know, like you said, the person who has schizophrenia living in their own beautiful world, are they sitting there diagnosing themselves as mentally ill? Right. No, someone has to observe them. And then say, based off of what I see in this person, they have this illness. So there's a, a definite difference than somebody who has a mental disease going on combined with wherever that physical disease is in their body and they're acting out to cause harm to other people's lives. And then they're separate when someone is just unique and they're going against the grain and they're that airplane that broke off from the direction that everything is flying in and it feels like in my experience the the biggest thing that is the hardest to break out of are from the people in your lives or the doctors or the society that is saying that you have something wrong with you that's saying that you're mentally ill that's saying you're mentally unstable because they're holding you in that projection that energy is very real coming out of them to you and you it either you become it or you have to attempt to dodge it to not become it but it's the it's the furthest thing from being able to effortlessly just be yourself because you're always um under attack so to speak yeah kanye west says name one jesus that ain't crazy you know <laughs> um, yeah, and you, you, you know, and then there's that fine line of like, you know, we, we, uh, celebrate the geniuses or the, the crazy people who have the crazy characteristics that are like in line with, let's say, capitalism, but we demonize the crazy ones who don't necessarily offer the same type of benefit to society. There's a separate tangent which we could potentially go off on, and there's a there we have this you know in store for our our, our listeners over the next couple of weeks. The idea of uh, just the capitalist implosion that's been happening, and the idea that I I think there's some merit to capitalism causing a lot of mental illness. You know, extreme capitalism causing mental illness because it creates. Uh, it, it, it creates a system where people are seen as economic units, where there's a lot of just binary thinking. Uh, and, you know, the beautiful human organism isn't meant to maybe fit into that mold. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I completely feel that. Breathe into this energy for a moment. Well, as you and I talked about on our 
our beta episode to share with our listeners right here on, on episode one. Even if you're listening to it out of order, you pick the different uh, episode to start with. When you get to this one, you'll hear it. We're going to be taking breaks to breathe. And it be, you know, we'll aim for taking anywhere from uh, 45 seconds to a minute every 10 minutes or so. And that's what we're going to do instead of cutting to sponsors. And the reason that we're going to do this to me goes hand in hand with being mentally healthy because what comes into our our head through what we absorb, the input we take in through podcasts, through videos, through conversations with friends, through books, through watching the TV. When someone takes in too much, it's hard to unpack. The way I spoke for the first two minutes of this episode, it, it was a little uh, scattered. There was a lot of excitement coming through. And you said, hey, it's going to take a moment to un unpack this. So when we're constantly absorbing, so much comes in and it's like it needs to go somewhere. You know, like if you're downloading files on a computer, you're either going to have the messiest downloads folder <laughs> or you're going to organize it and put everything in its place. And if you're just downloading too much stuff and you're not taking time to organize it or you're downloading stuff that's that's not useful, like what do you do when you listen to a song or you watch a movie or, or you read a book that doesn't resonate with you? Like you need to get that out to some extent. And there are ways to dump the energy through, you know, journaling it or going to the gym, um, going for a run, meditating with the intention of like, well, I just took in a book that doesn't resonate with me. I'm going to meditate on it to let it go. When we don't take time to do that, sit back, pause and breathe. It's so easy for the mental plane of reality to get overloaded and overwhelmed Thoughts then go out of whack. Thoughts become disorganized. Those thoughts stress the body. The stress in the body creates illness in the body. You act this out. It stresses the people around you. It turns into a, a, a back and forth of energy all over the place. Um, so the gift of the gap in the name of our, our show here is that there is a gift in pressing pause and going into a gap of, of space, of nothingness to allow the energy to settle because when you finished speaking, Dan, I was ready to say something, but I felt my intuition go, just wait, breathe for a moment. I, I went, Hey, I'm going to breathe into this energy. I felt my body more. And then what I was going to say shifted to what I'm saying now versus what was instantly off the cuff as a product of some degree of overwhelm because of how fast I felt we were moving out of the gates which seems to be the speed that a lot of people move in today's society. Oof. That's a powerful visual, you know, thinking about the, your download folder on your computer as a, as an analogy for your life. So do you actually uh, meditate on things to let them go if they don't resonate? Uh, now I do. And it, dude, it's one of the scariest most painful things you can do, but it heals it. And the simplest physical analogy I can say is like, 
if you spill something in the kitchen on the floor, well, let's, let's use two things, okay? We, we have the abstract artist who's in the kitchen and he's throwing paint at the wall with intention and the paint's landing on the wall and it's creating this beautiful abstract art. You, you throw it on the wall and then you leave it there and it's beautiful and, and you love it and, and you look, you're going to look at it every day. It's now in your home. It's a part of your life. Okay, great. Now, what happens if you're um, shaking a bottle of something, you open it up and it sprays all over the wall in the kitchen? Well, someone could consider that abstract art, um, but if it didn't come with intention and there's now something in your house that you don't want, well, it's just automatic that you literally pause to go clean it up. You're going to take something out of your house that's there that you don't want to be there anymore. Yeah. So... It is. It's like such a conundrum to really contemplate this. But you tell me, dude, where does something go when you absorb it if you don't consciously take the time to let it go? I mean, it, it goes uh, deeply back in your subconscious, you know, deeply mm -hmm. in there. And I, I think it's almost like a ball of yarn that twists and knots and turns. And it creates uh, feelings that sometimes we can't readily identify because they're beneath the surface. Sometimes you'll get... Uh, you'll have these layered emotions. I think about my time as an actor and how we used to try to identify and piece apart why we feel a certain way. And you can be, you can be stressed because you're angry and angry because you're mad and mad because you're sad and sad because you're longing. And, lo and so there's all these layers of emotion that ball up. And, and I think probably especially men have a hard time really pinpointing the origin of some of these emotional waves um, but I think some of these emotional waves come from consuming things mindlessly that we're not processing fully. Just like when you don't process your food, you have indigestion. You can have emotional and psychological indigestion of things that you just kind of, I mean, think about how much junk food we're mindlessly consuming, you know, with our, with our minds. You, and, you know, we have mental diarrhea then. <laughs> well, dude, that's a perfect analogy because majority of well, I'll speak for myself. When I would be absorbing content or a movie that's junk, I'm usually eating junk food while I do it. Yeah. And that's the reflection of the, the physical plane matching the <laughs> mental plane. So I'd love to touch on what you said there about, um, yes, men can have a hard time coming to the origin of something. And I, I think that, you know, women and, and children too, unless you have the, the right tool to be able to get to the origin, it's hard to be able to find the root and to pluck it out. So I'd love to, what's organically coming through right now, lead us through an exercise that anyone listening can follow to learn how to pull something out of you that you don't want to be there anymore. Please. All right. So think of, actually, this is what I'm going to do, Dan. I'm going to run you through it. Okay. And whoever's listening can follow. Um, think of a movie that you've watched when you were younger and that uh, that really scared you. Or a movie that you watched that made you really sad. Like some kind of negative emotion that you had from watching a movie. And I want you to think of that movie and tell me it. Okay. Uh, one movie that really terrified me as a kid was The Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis. I'm going to do my best to stay in... Uh, leader mode here because I just literally just lifted in my body for how much that movie terrified me. Terrified me. We'll continue with you here. So tell me what 
uh, what terrified you about that movie? Uh, many things. There was a specific scene um, where the temperature in the room got very, very cold as a result of there being ghosts in the room. And there was a woman who had been abused by her husband and beaten to death. And she was in the kitchen opening the cabinets, looking for something. And when Bruce Willis went in there, all the cabinets were open and her ghost was in there. And that just terrified me. Okay, perfect. Now hold that scene in your mind and say out loud five times in a row, I feel terrified. 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 Where's the terror in your body? Find, find it and trace it. Directly in my solar plexus. Okay, put your hand on your solar plexus and say out loud five times with your awareness on the terror, I am terrified. 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 Now, with your awareness on that emotion, I want you to give a color to it and tell me the first color that comes to your mind. Blue. And what shape is the blue? Or, um, square. Now, ask the blue square if it has any message for you. Do you have any message for me? It says, it says to tremble, constrict, and retreat. Beautiful. We're going to put the tremble, constrict, and retreat over to the side. I'll hold that for you. Now, I want you to imagine putting the blue square into a balloon right now, a balloon filled with helium. Tell me when you got it in there. It's in. Okay. Now, I want you to let it go, and it's going to slowly start to leave the top of your head. It's going to go out of the roof of the room that you're in. It's going to go out of the building that you're in. It's floating up to the clouds, past the clouds, and it completely dissolves. And now, when I snap, you're going to come right back to where we are together. Open your eyes and feel your feet on the ground. Go for some deep breaths. This is really cool that you're you're flowing like this, Daniel, because obviously that was not in our plan to do this, yet it came up, so you're released. Um, if you can keep breathing for a moment while I want to share something with the audience. So the terror that went into your subconscious, Dan, from the sixth sense years and years ago was still in the subconscious. And it created a message that says to tremble, constrict, and retreat. And that belief is literally acting like, you know, when you build a home, if the home doesn't have a solid foundation, it can just, it can crash. And some homes have like a pretty solid foundation, but there's like a brutal crack or there's a space with a lot of mold. And over time that can cause the whole surface to crack and, or, or to fall down. So that one belief that came in from that movie, that came in from that specific scene of the woman in the kitchen and the temperature going low and all that kind of thing, that in your case is guiding some degree of your subconscious every single day since you've seen that movie. 
And because we just pause to take the time to go into your subconscious, have you with the incredible awareness to be able to come in contact with that scene from that movie, go through the process of finding the emotion in your body and letting it go. The space we've just opened up inside of you is now available to be filled with light. It's available to be filled with something beautiful, something that's going to serve you. And that process that we just did can be done again and again and again and again and again. I could ask you right now, tell me the next movie. And your subconscious would literally present the next most important movie that it wants to get rid of. There's no coincidence that the sixth sense in that scene came up first. That is guaranteed had a plague on your system. Your subconscious is like... Dude, you're pausing to come talk to me? You're literally coming to, you're coming to grab the part of me that's trapped inside this belief? I can get rid of anything I want? Get rid of the sixth sense. Yeah. And then it comes up and it comes to the surface. So um, I'll surrender to you now, Dan, and ask if you want to move on from this or if you feel that it's beneficial because I have more tools to go into what to do with those the, the tremble, constrict, and retreat that we can go even deeper and find out what's underneath that. Um, or we can button this up as a, you know, a good exercise in itself for the audience. Well, okay. I think a few things. One, um, you're absolutely right. I just want to make some, some notes on this first. Yes, please. You're, you're absolutely right that that has been in there. I mean, y- you know, I think about that on a fairly regular basis, that scene, which, you know, it's funny to admit, but I think about it on a fairly regular basis, you know, when it's late at night and I'm walking around the house and I'm just like, what if I see the cabinets open or what, you know, um, and I also have to give props to M. Night Shyamalan that he's implanted something so deeply in my subconscious from a, a cinematic uh, creation, which to his own credit is is pretty amazing that we can do this with imagery and with powerful memories. I think especially as a child, you see these things that are more deeply implanted but one thing I noticed as I was walking through that exercise is that immediately after, like as I had the visualization of it, of the of the 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 basically the the, the cube moving from the with the balloon through kind of the atmosphere of my subconscious out the roof, um, I immediately noticed that my face relaxed. Just just thinking about that makes me want to constrict you know, retreat. Um, and just imagining that subconscious belief being lifted out of my, of my, uh, my awareness made my body relax. It, there's a physical effect from a mental and emotional process. And I think rather than even going deeper into that process, let's bring it back to emotions and how they mirror our physicality and let's let's then talk about how does this connect to the idea of shame beautiful beautiful reeling that in so i'm going to share one note uh that process um that i i ran us through there um props to a a dude out in California who was a friend of mine and and taught me some awesome stuff. His name is Dane Golden Wolf. He taught me the process of being able to get in touch with an emotion. And you, you say out loud first, I feel, I feel, I feel five times to find it in your body. Then once you find it in your body and you go, 
whoa, I can feel the confusion in my head. You put your awareness and the confusion in your head, then you become it. I am to honor the emotion, to not try and bury it. So I am confused. I am confused. That was the first part of the process to fully get in touch with the emotion. The second part of the process that I ran us through is something called hollow dynamics. It's the process of putting a color and a shape to an emotion, asking if it has a message, and then letting that go through the visualization of putting it into, I like using a balloon, and then letting it go out your head up to the sky. And usually the message can be very simple. The message can be something big. So you can take the retreat, constrict, and um, retreat. whatever the other part was. Re yeah. yeah, retreat, constrict, and there was one more. And write it down and then start journaling on it. And you literally journal more and more and more and you find out what comes out. Like, what is this? And then you can go burn that page and now you've created the space inside of yourself. So back to what you said of how this ties in with, with shame. I'm not sure if we were recording or we were just rapping before, but you talked about um, shame comes from a lack of self-love. Yeah, we weren't even recording from that yet. No, that was just beforehand. Okay, cool. Um, so there's some work from a woman named uh, Brene Brown, mm -hmm. I believe her name is. Mm -hmm. She says that the emotion of guilt um, comes from believing you did wrong and the emotion of shame comes from believing I am wrong. In my experience, where I've experienced mental instability, mental imbalance, is when you go into the subconscious the way we just did for you, and you notice the physical change, your face got lighter, your, your body felt lighter. I'll say your face unscrunched and then your body felt lighter. There's now space in your physical reality to expand. And if you choose to go back into the subconscious and do another one of these exercises, you can create imbalances inside of yourself because you're going too far on the mental plane. It's like you can't record podcast episode after podcast episode without stopping to take the time and edit them and upload them. Otherwise, you'll just end up with 100 episodes and they're not edited and uploaded and right. the energy doesn't have the ability to move. So I share this with, with caution and importance to anyone listening that when I first found out about different ways of going into the subconscious mind, which is one we just shared right there, do it on a schedule. You know, do this once a day and after you do it, go do something physical, build something, go for a run, go for a workout, go eat a, a good meal, um, play a game of cards. And this kind of thing will keep your system in balance. And the easiest way that I also find is to follow your heart with what comes up. And you want to be um, intelligent there because oftentimes what can come up when you release deep stuff from the subconscious is you want to go binge on crappy food. You want to go get drunk. <laughs> you might want to smoke a joint, um, partake in other extracurriculars. So it's good to be able to balance and find that. Um, bringing this back again to, to the shame and mental health. Well, we started this whole thing talking about how what I believe creates mental disharmony is that if you're if we're going through our days and we have a, a scene from a movie lodged in our mind, that could literally be butting up with so much stuff that we think. And that then creates wonky thoughts. You do things out of order. 
boom, you cause damage to yourself. You, you hurt someone else in your reality. Holy shit, that guy hurt me. You're nuts. Oh my gosh, I'm nuts. I got the label on me. You Then now you're in a projection. You do it again. You do it again. This person's got to be mentally ill. And that's like kind of a wild example, but not for how the road to stuff like that can really unfold and can really start. Um, so bringing it back in its simplest form, stop taking in content through your eyes, through your ears, through your mouth, or through your aura by who you hang out with that isn't completely aligned with your highest good at all times. I think that deserves a gap to take in. Let's let's go in right now, dude. We're going to time it. Let's go for 45 seconds. Let's go. You know, what's coming up for me now, Daniel, is when we pause to take that that gift and breathe and go into the gap for a minute. I, I feel a lot of pressure in my head. And when I tune into that pressure, I would go through an exercise now of like, I feel pressure, I feel pressure and need a moment to let it go. But we're on a schedule. We've promised an episode that's a certain amount of time. We got to keep going. We got to keep going. And it's such a paradox because it's like right now, I either have to bypass the needs of my body in wanting time to let go of this emotion or push through it and bulldoze through it and say, it's okay. (laughs) Um, Keep going. So I know there's a balance there too of like when to use your willpower to push through something and um, when to not. So it's, yeah. That's the capitalist productive society that says you must finish this thing. You have a schedule. You have to stick to it. We're producing. Mm. (laughs) I've been listening to a... Yeah, go, go. I was going to say, I've been listening to uh, a whole whole podcast series with just with just Alan Watts. And uh, I think about, um, you know, a lot about how uh, a- after a certain amount of time, you realize that we're just creating our own, uh, our own limitations and our own uh, false sense of urgency the majority of the time. You know, it's a lot of false urgency in the world. And, and, and let me ask you a question too, just with, 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 with regard to mental health, you know, how much of, of the sanity of society is dictated by the social media world that we live in, the instantaneous effect of having to have things now and feeling like we can't actually slow down, which is the purpose of the gift of the gap. How much of it, how much of mental health could be 
helped by just slowing down. Dude, social media is probably the number one most imbalanced form of a consumable in which majority of people who use it are taking way more in than they're putting out. Yeah. So can you imagine if you wanted to actually use social media in balance? Wouldn't it technically look like for every post you look at of someone's and read that you put one out of your own? No, that would be impossible. And so I've actually seen some influencers that follow zero people and I guess they don't have a feed in their Instagram because they're only putting stuff out. Yeah, Jay-Z and Beyonce, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, So yes, social media, you know, I I challenge anyone listening right now to look at who you're following and just because the follow button is free to click and easy to tap, you might want to make someone happy or you want to be cool because you say you're following this person really reflect on who you're following because you are creating a small energetic connection in in the quantum field of reality. You're going and you're plugging into someone else's energy field. And if that person isn't aligned with what you want to create, you can get scattered and you can get overwhelmed. You can take in too much input than you're putting out. Because dude, can you imagine if we just followed like five people each? And like you're super strategic about those five that you follow, how much easier it would be to focus on what you want to create in your day to day, because you're getting the same vibe from the same person that's aligned with what you want to do rather than, you know, following hundreds. It's actually not a bad idea. I mean, how many people, there was a period of time where I followed only first, I followed no one that I just followed my wife. Let me see who, how many, (laughs) how many following right now? I mean, Let's see. Every time I do a mass unfollow, people get really mad and start unfollowing me too. And they say, what are you doing? Why? Dude, that's the unplugging of the link. So you've plugged into someone's field. They're now feeling happy that they're getting followed. And when you unplug, yes, dude, that was my journey of one of the reasons I deleted my Instagram with 150,000 followers. I was like, I can't do this anymore. There, there's too there's too many uh, social media politics that are invisible and behind the scenes because the person wouldn't necessarily reach out and say, why did you unfollow me? But I would feel it as soon as I pressed that unfollow button or did a mass unfollow. I felt it. And it's yeah. it's a big one um, to, to unwire when you've created uh, a following or, or you're following or people are following you that isn't aligned with what you want to create. I mean, even if they are, you know, it's, it's kind of like I have my closest friends who I follow as well. They shouldn't give a shit if I'm following, on, following them on there. It's not even, it's not real. It's not real. Um, I'm, I'm going to do a mass unfollow after this. Thank you. I'm doing it. And, and, and no, I am. And a pun of a post that says, there's no reason, it's, it has nothing to do with you. I just want to follow my wife or nobody. That's it. It, it makes it easy for me. quote. Quote the episode, yeah, because now you can share. You can say, yeah. I, I just realized that I want to start um, being more balanced for every post I consume or for every two posts I consume, I want to put one out. And it's impossible to do that when I'm following so many people <laughs> yes. and then do the mass unfollow. And I don't think a single person will project negative energy. You might only, you'll only inspire them. I think that's so, and, yeah, so smart. Yeah, yeah.
And then this comes down to communication, which is another huge thing in mental health as to where these wicked emotions get projected onto one another is failing to communicate important little packets Mm -hmm. of information. Mm -hmm. Because if you literally go on mass unfollow right now, let's say a hundred people and all hundred of those people, you're unplugging the cord. Like if you're a real deal, like electrician, you have to go turn off the power. You have to unplug the cord. You have to close off the cord properly to avoid getting any kind of shock. And if you get a micro shock from a hundred people, some sadness, people are frustrated, people are angry at you, people are confused. Why did he unfollow me? And that all comes into your field energetically all at once. It could have been completely avoided by this piece of information you're now going to say. And I didn't have this back in the day either. We're coming up with it right now. But that beautiful post that you do to communicate this can avoid so much emotion coming in. So taking this to to real life with our relatives, with our family, with our loved ones, with our friends, with a doctor that you may be working with, by communicating these important little things in between, you avoid taking on a projection from somebody else. Because I personally don't know anyone that has diagnosed themselves as mentally ill before someone else has. To me, it always happens in the way that someone's thinking it, someone's putting it on you, someone's going like, this person's insane. Like that's the most um, common way that I think people in society call someone mentally ill. You just say they're, they're nuts, they're off their rocker or they're insane. And then the next layer is like, this person has to be bipolar. This person has to be depressed. Oh, this person has an anxiety disorder. So if these are projections that we're throwing on one another, they're just coming from, like you said, in the acting days, I feel mad because I'm angry. I feel angry because I'm sad. I feel sad because I'm longing. And if we can take a moment to go into the gift of the gap, not run to our next scene or our next errand or our next meeting or our next date and go, wait, this is an important piece of communication that I want to share with my loved one right now. I forgot to update them. Oh, you know what? I changed something I was doing in the protocol my doctor put me on. I'm going to say, hey, if you notice some shifts in me next time we hang, next time I come to see you for a session, it's because I've made this shift. Now they're aware. So taking time, going into the gift of the gap, which is free, as often as you ever want to go visit it to communicate, a lot of stuff can be avoided. That's huge. Uh, have you ever studied the uh, the system called human design? Oh, yeah, dude. Okay. My wife's big time into it. Um, do you know what you are? What design you are? Yeah, I'm a manifesting generator. Nice. I'm a manifester. Uh, and Very cool. My strategy for navigating life is to inform. <laughs> you know? So it's like, you know, if you're going to do something... Don't just do it and assume you get it. Don't just do it and assume people know. Inform, you know, communicate. Um, so that resonates with me very hard. Dude, 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 this is so good. Let's go. Let's take this on a lighter move for a moment. So, for anyone who doesn't know, human design is um, a very intricate, unique form of. Uh, being able to get an an inside look at how you're designed as a human in terms of how your brain works, how your 
your thoughts work, your emotions, channels that are open, channels that are closed. It's almost comparable in certain ways to astrology. You know, you're, you're a certain sign and you have certain characteristics, things like that. Um, in order to look up your design, you need your, the time you were born, the place you were born and your birthday. Again, similar to astrology for pulling your chart. And, um, it's good to work with a, you know, a, a practitioner or a professional if you're actually looking to get into this. Um, but what I will say on the lighter note is that, uh, my daughter is a man is a, a manifester and, manifestors we my wife and i learned this about her because she knows how to run the show um and call shots and it's like no we're the parent you know follow us and with a lot of the stuff we've learned it's actually like how can we just guide her to in certain ways direct the energy of the scene and play into her gifts as a manifester and not strip them away because she's a, a child that's beneath us in age or or wisdom um so, dude, let's flow with this as we record now that this little tidbit of info just came up. Manifesting generators are meant to be put into response. So we were already organically doing it where you as the manifester are asking me questions and I'm responding. Right. But just to like see that on a deeper <laughs> level, dude, that's full power. We even said this before the show. I said, do you want me to just soft serve it up to you and you just knock it? And then that's like, that, yeah, and, that, and, that's, and we, that's so crazy how we moved into those roles without without even discussing this beforehand. And with this design stuff, uh, I've found that you don't have to believe that it works, you just have to test it out for yourself. You don't have to say, oh, well, this is a new belief system that I'm going to, you know, this is my new religion. You just, you learn some things about yourself and you say, does this resonate with me, is it true? You know, so so uh, and one thing that I've learned from my design, which, you know, we can talk about this in another episode as well, because this is a super interesting uh, concept, is that um, I'm an initiator but I get tired quickly. So I can start the thing, and then if I don't have generators, manifesting generators, people around me to help, I say, all right, I started it, you guys go. You know, I can make it, I can start the fire, but then I have to have people to support me. And so it's interesting to see how these things actually show up in real life when you read these. And it's, it's quite a bit more accurate than, than astrology, I'd say, you know. Definitely, man. Um, it's so cool to hear you say that because tying this back to de-shaming mental health, so many, um, well, I think it's almost like a, a trap that humanity has been stuck in for eons of blaming and shaming each other. So instead of taking complete responsibility and ownership for your own actions and what's happening in your world, it's like, I'm going to blame someone or I'm going to shame someone. It does not feel good to be blamed or shamed. It doesn't, it sure doesn't feel good to give out the blame or shame. It might be pawned off in a cognitive dissonance way that's giving you temporary relief, but it comes back later and it hurts. By blaming others for our own inability to go inside and be like, wait, why did I create this in my life? Where did I fail to communicate? Where is this coming back to me karmically? The blame that we put onto others, it's like an emotional gun. You know, you could shoot someone with this emotion and then that emotion can hit and then explode into a series of so many thoughts. And the emotion is loaded with, let's say you're working with someone on a project and for six months straight, there's been something that's annoying one person. Like the way the boss is communicating to the employee, it's just like pecking away at them. 
and the employee is playing victim and they're scared of the boss and scared of losing their job so they're not speaking up and the boss is unconscious and doesn't actually know they're annoying the employee and the employee is not saying anything and it just keeps building and building and building and building and then one day the employee retaliates to the boss and, and shoots them with their emotional gun and says i can't take this anymore boom it's like the words were i can't take this anymore the emotion comes out i can't take this anymore it's your fault let's go with that i can't take this anymore it's your fault boom it hits the the boss and then what it can explode in the boss's mind are all the instances that the employee has ever felt this in little energetic fragments, almost like a bomb going off in the battlefield. And to attempt to sort those out, dude, to really do that, what I've learned and I've done it, I've done it with certain people in my past. My wife and I always do it as quick as we can on the spot for anything that builds up and has been swept under the rug is to go back to as many of those instances as you need to, to knock the, the legs out of the table so that the table falls and collapses and that huge emotion that's built up goes away. Um, so you avoid that by, by doing it as they're happening in the moment rather than letting it build up, shooting a big blast of blame at someone or shame and then knowing now knowing we're, we're knowing this now because we're listening to this and we're talking about this that that can create mental imbalances in another person it can create mental imbalances in yourself when you feel the guilt later that night and you go oh yeah oh, shit, i blamed them and i, I wasn't communicating myself yeah and, you know these are skills that um you, you know they don't come pre-installed you know they seem obvious when you talk about them but they don't come pre-installed and a lot of times we don't have our parents to teach us these things. They don't because they don't know, you know, it, it, it takes um, a certain level of willingness to develop yourself in order to get to a point where you can better manage your emotions and become a better communicator outside of just communicating your basic needs, be able to really take care of yourself and others in that way. And, you know, I'm sure that we've all grown up in, in households to a certain extent where we you know, we didn't have some of those elements. And now it's upon us listening to this now to do this work of understanding how emotionally we could be subverting ourselves, how we could be avoiding conversations that need to be had um, and creating from a from a collective sense, these uh, mental illnesses, these mental health issues. Obviously, there are always going to be situations where, yeah, you know, I, where you will need some professional help or, you know, there's I'm not even anti-medication. You know, people will say to me, what are you, are you anti-prescription drugs? No, no. But I also think that there are many times when we immediately lean for a pill or a fix or a quick band-aid solution that could be something that we could internally be dealing with and working on ourselves. You know, it's it's so easy to look at the DSM-5, which is the psychological manual for, you know, uh, for illness and psychopathologies and say, oh, well, this is your problem and this is your problem. But oftentimes, um, you know, there are things that we can be doing from a community level or from a personal level that will resolve the things uh, that seem to be the biggest plagues in society. I mean, depression is a great example. Depression is, you know, one of the most common, uh, common causes of uh, mental illness. And we all know that depression can also cause many, many physical ailments as well. And how much of the depression that we're dealing with as a societal level is due to, like you were saying, lack of communication, uh, poor or, you know, clumsy use of our words, our thoughts and our intentions and just, um, you know, poor mental and emotional hygiene, which is kind of what we were talking about in today's exercise, mental and emotional hygiene. 
you know, it's like leaving the leaving things. You, you you try to make your bed. You try to pick up after yourself when you're uh, when you're moving through the physical world. Why not in the mental and emotional world? Be picking up after yourself, cleaning things up, tying things up whenever you can. Um, having the conversation, saying the conversations that need to be said. You know, one of the things I think was the best for my mental health that I've done over the past couple of years is really devote myself to being a hundred percent honest with people. You know, and there's a way where you can be. Uh, I think there's a lot of times people say that they're honest as an excuse to be rude to people. And I think that there, <laughs> there's that balance as well. Uh, but just being 100% with people in my relationships, in my business stuff, and it helps me sleep better at night. And it really uh, it, it reduces so much of that mental strain and anguish. Um, so, I mean, let's, let's cap it here. How does that feel? Incredible. I, this is a very, very high energy uh, that I'm feeling from you. I really hope that the audience can feel this as well. Dude, if um, I can cap this off with a little freestyle to talk about some of the stuff we did in today's episode. Go for it. I got the energy ready to move. Go for it. You know we want it. <sighs> De-shaming mental health. One chat at a time. Allows you to go into the subconscious and begin to unwind. All the projections we've taken on over the years, stuff them down deep inside instead of crying the tears. Because if you feel the emotion and you let it on out, put it in the balloon and you'll have no doubt that the stacked up stuff from the input that went in can leave in the moment. And you'll go back to where you've been. As a child in your heart, before this stuff came to your world. Calling this in as a new flow for everyone's experience so that we can hurl in a quantum leap over this societal plague. No more labels. Shake out those legs. <laughs> Listen, if you're going to start doing this, they're going to start to expect it. So, <laughs> Dude, there's no, there's no limit. This will be the way we cap every episode. They're going to start to expect it, it man. Um, <laughs> welcome, uh, my friends, to episode one. I hope you enjoyed that. This is the gift of the gap. Uh, Daniel DiPiazza here. Chris Doikos, checking in with you guys. That was episode one. When you tune back in with us, or no, I guess depending on if we're gonna, I guess we're gonna drop all these as a as a binge style format. But episode two is all on deliberate living, so make sure you check that out if you haven't already gotten a chance to uh, give this a review in iTunes. Please do that. Even a one sentence review really helps. Uh, and if you really like this, leave a comment uh, wherever we post this when we when we make the site for this this wonderful podcast collaboration. So thank you so much uh, to my wonderful co-host. Uh, Mr. Soikos, and we will catch you in the next episode. Thank you, Daniel. Ah.
Ah, well, that does it for today, my friends. I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as we loved creating it for you. This was an episode of Gift of the Gap, which was um, basically a concept that Chris Stoikos and I recorded back in 2021. And I'm sharing these episodes with you today and then over the next two weeks as just a little preview of what uh, of what we have in store for you. And if you liked it, make sure you leave a comment, uh, make sure you leave a review, and tell us and, and leave me an email as well. You can, tell, you can email me at daniel at newwaveentrepreneur.com and tell me what you think of today's show. I always love hearing from you. That's it, guys. Make sure you're subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Check out newwaveentrepreneur.com for all our most uh, all our most current updates and workshops, trainings. We have some free guides on there as well. That's it, guys. The water is warm. The tide is rising. So jump on in. It's time to surf this new wave. Daniel out. Daniel out.